Yeah. Well, we also yeah. had to find that weird doubloon just hanging out. Yep. The, the plot. Don't wood. pay attention to the <laughs> plot. <laughs> Pay attention to the cool ass <laughs> fog zombie. The, the plot is Horty Town gets attacked by vengeful ghost pirates. That's all you need to know. Hello and welcome back to Battle Season 5, Episode 14, where today we are talking about horror movies and spooky movies and everything in between. Uh, I am one of your normal co-hosts, Zach. I'm here with only one of our normal co-hosts today, uh, Chris Gear. Hello. And we are rejoined by one of our favorite guests, uh, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm killing it. I'm loving it. <laughs> you're you're having a great time well there's a lot of killing yeah. that we're going to talk about so <laughs> yeah. it, at least that's uh that's right on topic um so it's october so uh it's everyone's favorite annual tradition of watching way too many spooky movies uh horror movies uh, old john carpenter movies that are basically just music videos uh and everything <laughs> in between um so the movies that we are going to talk about today are 2022's Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger, 2021's Censor, directed by Prano Bailey Bond, 2016's The Wailing, directed by Na Ho Jin, and The Fog uh, from 1980, directed by John Carpenter. So I was not on this episode last year, or I was not hosting this episode last year. I popped in very briefly. Uh, but Nick, I believe you were there. Uh, so what is your relationship to these uh, horror movies? Are you a big fan? Is it something that grew on you? Uh, go for it. So uh, I used to be the biggest wuss when it came to horror movies. I stayed away from them forever. And then I was inspired by someone who brought up the fact that horror movies are uh, actually a sociological test of like society. And I immediately just was able to remove like the, Oh my God, there's like a lot of blood in this. And then so, be like, so this happened oh. when you were seven, right? Like, <laughs> someone... yeah. The budding age, right? Yeah. You didn't have the, you didn't have that talk with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> it was but, before um... the birds and the bees. <laughs> yeah. That's steps. But yeah. so, uh, yeah. So I was able to do that and now I am infatuated with them. Um, and if there's anything that I love more, it's finding a little bit of satanic panic in any movie. It's super <laughs> exciting. Is it a year-round thing, or do you kind of concentrate it all toward October? I it It's become a year-long thing. Uh, it started out as... Uh, it unfortunately started with me watching The Conjuring, which to date I think is the worst movie franchise to ever exist. Um, hard take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the first one's good. The first one's good, and then you realize that no one actually dies and nothing actually happens in those movies besides people being like, things are spooky! And then that's it. That's the whole... You don't have to watch any of them now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started watching The Conjuring, and then I was like, oh, this is pretty attainable. And then I, now it's become a year-long thing of like, the minute a scary movie drops, I'm like, I, I need to check this out. I'm like, that's... Do you go to the theater, or is it mostly at home? 
to, for those with uh, a light tolerance to horror movies, um, if I know it's going to be super spooky, I watch it at home. If I'm like, this might not be that many jump scares, I'll watch it in the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, what about you? You're you're just a fucking weirdo horror pervert. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's maybe a good way to describe me. Uh, honestly, I wasn't ever a big fan of the jump scares until maybe a few years ago. But uh, started out with whatever like classic horror movies were on, like AMC uh, after school, like during October, and I just have fond memories of you know, getting home from school and it's still light out. So it's not too scary, but you're watching like Halloween or something like that. And, um, it was, it was all very safe. Um, and then for some reason in my mid teens, uh, I started watching about a, a lot of like body horror movies, uh, because <laughs> like saw came out and you hit puberty, was... your body changes. You want to see everyone else's body mutilated, you know, uh, it makes violently. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the saw movies, Wolf Creek, uh, <laughs> hostile, like those kinds of movies. Oh. Um, some, some of which like hold up a little bit, like Wolf Creek's still pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, hostile and th- those movies were God awful. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, kind of, kind of waned for a while it's still I, I still loved halloween the movie end of the season um so i i'd kind of go back searching for those vibes and you know watch whatever was on amc every year um and then at some point it just kind of hit like i i was i think first year of grad school i was hanging out in the basement of our giant house with like 12 people living there and it's a big old tv with a giant sound system and uh, one of my roommates liked putting on horror movies and I was like, I was a big baby about the jump scare ones at first. And then you kind of slowly build up a tolerance where you kind of understand what's, what to look out for. What's, you know, what's a cheap trick and what's really like a, an awesome scare. And then, you know, kind of over the years, uh, I came to appreciate things like, uh, uh, like hereditary and, and movies that are going for a little bit more than just cheap scares. So, so you're okay with like people getting their eyes gouged out, but like someone slamming a door too quick just was was too much for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to this day, the scariest movie I've watched is Sinister, um, just because there are so many crazy jump scares in creative ways, uh, and and they kind of trick you into thinking they're going to be jump scares, and then they there aren't any. Kind of lulls you in a false sense of security, and then hits you with the big ones. Yeah. Are you are you guys uh, big fans of Halloween the season? Do you dress up? Are you like plan out your costumes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's I, uh, I am the softest person. I'm that person that every year I'm like, you know what? This year, this year I'm going to do Halloween, and then I just sit on my couch and I watch whatever like dumb series I'm watching, and I go to bed early. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. So. Seeing- so, so living in New York City for me, it my number one fear is being the guy in the Halloween costume at like one in the morning on the subway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who is is just hilariously out of place. Um, so I, I just try to avoid that every year. Uh, one of my friends, who I will uh, not name here for their uh, for their own. Uh, 
uh, safety. Uh, I remember that they were vomiting on the subway platform into the trash can. They made it into the trash can dressed as one of the legends of the hidden temple contestants. <laughs> uh, so they were wearing a helmet while this was happening and oh, like elbow it. pads. It was, it was a, a beautiful sight. Um, first, man. <laughs> I know. So for me, I am definitely the least horror fan out of the three of us. I'm not anemic to the genre. I I just don't I'm I'm not really motivated to go see new horror movies. Like something like The Conjuring or these like creepy houses haunted, you know, that was clearly made for like $800,000 and is probably going to be like mediocre. I I just like have no desire to see movies like that. But when something like Barbarian, which is my pick for for this round, comes out that is getting like great reviews and is being reviewed well as a movie and a horror movie, those are when I kind of like to um to dip my toe in a little bit more. And then, you know, I really like the old vibey, like the thing I absolutely loved from John Carpenter, which is, you know, a very much a horror movie, but like just a vibe more than anything else. Um, we all remember the great Suspiria uh, <laughs> debate of what 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Yeah. So that's always been great. Um, but yeah, I think as far as our lineup goes, we picked a pretty good um, array of horror movies. Uh, we don't, we didn't really have anything that was super heavy jump scare which I don't mind. And I'm sure none of you else mind all that much, but I think we did a, a good job kind of uh, covering all of our bases. So do we want to just uh, jump right into barbarian? 100%. Right on. So uh, for both of you, how much did you know about this movie before you went in? Because I literally knew nothing before I walked into the theater. I accidentally found out that uh, Bill Skarsgård was in it before because I read Nate's review of it and he mentioned Bill Skarsgård. Other than that, I had no idea what it was about. And I think I think he also mentioned Airbnb in the uh, in the review as well. So I I knew that it was something to do with an Airbnb. So before we jump in, I would say for any listeners out there, go see this movie before you listen to us talk about it. It is on HBO Max now. Um, Go in blind. It's a it's a unique time i'll say that much it sure so is that's that the, is our yeah. the rest the rest will be spoilers yeah so that's that's our warning um so yeah chris go ahead uh i, I mean yeah i i think for one this movie does a great job of setting you up um not really knowing where you are and one the movie starts in the dark in the rain so you really don't know the setting other than the house that they get to um and the the setup of a uh this will come up later but a double booking on an airbnb um uh pretty it's great pretty, it's a brilliant incredible stuff oh my god uh, yeah it it really sets you up like all the way until the turn happens where like you just something happens where you don't like you, the whole movie flips on its head bill skarsgård is acting like a real creep and you think that he's the one who's doing this um, because our, our main character has found something in the basement, uh, a, a tunnel and what looks like a place where people have been kept as prisoners. And she runs upstairs, 
uh well she gets stuck in the it caught in the basement is that what happens and then uh yeah she is like she tries to find toilet paper gets trapped in the basement and then it it turns i i think bill skarsgård is the best casting of this year in any movie <laughs> um he he is has just such a creepy face and he's doing all these things <laughs> what but he's like a handsome guy you know um it, he's doing all these creepy things that it's clear that he, in retrospect once you watch a movie that like he thinks is a nice thing but the way it's filmed and the uh the projection that we're shown is through her eyes uh Georgina Campbell who's really amazing in this film uh and what she's doing is she's taking all these precautions. She's taking photos of his license. She's locking the door. She's, you know, really trying to make the best out of a bad situation. And I think the the first third of the movie, when it slow plays all of the reveals that are happening, works uh, against your anxiety amazingly. I, I had no idea what was going to happen. And, and I was like, oh, he's going to kill her. When's he going to kill her? When's this going to happen? Uh, and, and so when they like go to the next morning and she's still alive, I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's not, that's not how these movies work, which was my favorite part of that. Yeah. I thought that the, uh, they did a beautiful job preying on your personal anxieties. And I'd actually argue that they did do jump scares, but they took a, like an alternate choice of doing it. So instead of having like the big pop of music, cause that's like really what a jump scare is at the end of the day, it's a pop of music. And it's like a single shot of being like, oh, no. But they use the the uh, like a rolling zoom on things for you to mm-hmm. be like, oh, like to make you gasp. It was like this alternate jump scare that was like just so beautifully done. And it like it came down as simple as like a rolling zoom to a fucking phone yep. like that. When you're just like she doesn't have her phone and then like it zooms and she goes, oh, my gosh. And like it makes you more tense and it builds up as this like this like a. Uh, like this uh like subconscious jump scare it is so well done and i thought they did a really good job just like making you just unprepared for what they were going to do next like my background of seeing like my my preparation for this movie i saw the trailer um because i it just like popped up on hbo Mm -hmm. and if i love anything it's an it's a trailer that doesn't give me fucking anything about this movie but it makes me want it and they showed you a minute and a half of like the opener where you're like the opening, like once you got through that bulk of footage in the first, like maybe minute and a half, 15 minutes, you realize that nothing in the trailer is now covered and you're in just foreign territory. Yep. And you're like, you're just in this, like uh, you're just, it's like you're on break, like thin ice just breaking under you. It is so well done. And I thought that the fact that they went from like the predatorial, um, like male character in the beginning. And like my my favorite part is that he kept doing stuff to redeem himself in this backwards way where mm-hmm. like he's sitting there with the glasses of the glasses out and the closed bottle of wine, but the lights shining down. So he just looks like an ogre man. And you're yeah. like, I don't know if this is it's what are you it's that doing, balance man? too, because it's one, he's like, Oh, I, I noticed that you didn't drink your tea, but I realized like maybe you just didn't wouldn't trust me unless I opened it in front of you. So like here's the wine if you want some wine. And it's that balance of like, okay, he's being like conscientious and he thinks he's being conscientious, but also he's being a little bit creepy trying to give this strange girl alcohol. Um 
I would love to rewatch this movie and just think about it now, knowing what I know and being watching it from his perspective. Yeah. Just trying to be like, well, this fucking woman shows up to my Airbnb <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's a fucked up situation. I, I, I thought that was all really masterful. Um, and I think we're going to go into probably full spoiler territory now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but when mother appears, and oh there's God. that hard cut of Bill Skarsgård getting his head smashed against the wall and murdered. Like a robin egg. <laughs> yeah. Into uh, Justin Long driving down the PCH in a convertible singing Yacht Rock. <laughs> singing what? <laughs> singing fucking Donovan, right? It's it's the, maybe the hardest I've laughed this year. <laughs> <laughs> so. I didn't even- uh, so my one qualm with you saying Bill Skarsgård is the best cast person in anything this year, um, having also watched Drag Me to Hell this year, I think Justin Long <laughs> needs to only be cast as the dick bag in horror movies because I think he plays it absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Oh my He's singing God. along to Ricky Tiki Tabby, the Donovan song. <laughs> it's so good. Ricky Tiki Tabby. It's so were you just like what the fuck like what is happening so the funny thing is i i had to pause and i was like oh this seems like a good place to pause and it was like right after bill Skarsgård had gotten his head beaten in and i was like oh it cut to black so i'm gonna pause there i'm sure it's gonna move on to something and i pressed play like 10 minutes later and i was like oops did i like go to play on the wrong movie Oh my God. I love the fact that, so that, so I didn't laugh at that. I just sat back and I was like, what the, and I'm just, I'm just cussing in my, in my house alone, watching HBO Max, just like yelling at no one, just being like, what is happening? Just Cause my favorite part on top of that is they made that cut to black just long enough where you're like, did it Is that break? the movie? Yeah. <laughs> is is that there's it? a movie like, over? Cool. Uh, that was a, that was a quick yeah, for, for me, I saw it in a theater. So it was, I don't know, half full or something. And the people were definitely like uncomfortably laughing. They were like, <laughs> what? A ju- like a, a, like a, because they don't show much a mother at that point. It's like, did like a spider woman like come and bash his head in? Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, I don't think we need to go through and like do every single plot point, but, uh, well, we, probably could because it's really fun for this movie to do that (laughs) uh but i think that like pulling justin long's character in where you see that he's a uh actor getting me too'd he's kind of a shitty person you like you hear his phone call to the person like very much indicating that he did this to a woman he like raped or sexually assaulted it's kind of left nebulous but it's definitely bad Um, and so you're like, all right, is he the guy that's orchestrating this? And then you feel like, no, he's just also someone getting caught up into this and that the house is the center of this horror, not the people that have been shown so far. Did that work for both of you guys? I think that's something that was, that I kind of drew from the movie because, you know, Justin Long got me too'd. And he was, you know, obviously this toxic masculine figure in a very like borderline exaggerated way that played really well for Justin Long, unfortunately, but fortunately. Um, 
But uh, the fact that the the opening uh, Skarsgård's character was also toxically masculine, but just more subtly, and that mm -hmm. became like these two focal points of male characters, like kind of being dicks, and like that's why they didn't survive. Because like I mean, the theme immediately is plotted where or pushed out where it's like, you know, I, as a woman, I live cautiously, but men can just like trample their way through life, and both totally. characters do do that. And one of my favorite. One of uh, like a moment that stands out for me is when Skarsgård's down and they they confront each other in the cave for that first time right before he dies, and he's telling her the exact wrong thing to do, mm -hmm. but he's just like mansplaining it to her, being like, "No, we have to go deeper into the cave," and she's like, "No, we have to go this. This is obviously the right answer," and then he just gets fucking wrecked, and then you know, and Justin Zong's character's uh, death is a hundred percent worth worth watching the movie oh, yeah. just because of the justice and the fucking the betrayal it was oh it was great I well it's it. it's a movie of fake outs and it's yeah it's one of those things where like you see justin long's character kind of like realizing what he's done and and who he is as a person and it kind of seems like a fake out at maybe a redemption arc and then he throws her off of a building so that uh, mother has to dive after her and th then when he he comes down and he has this whole speech where he's like I, I had to do it you know I had to do it because like I was I wasn't thinking I grabbed your hair actually like I didn't even let go like you, you just like you slipped like mm -hmm. you know I had to do it right like oh I'm so glad you're okay and like just being the biggest piece of shit like it's yeah unbelievable scene there God, they also he, he, go ahead Nick he like even in that betrayal you can see in his eyes that he's making a conscious decision even past the fact that he's explained it to the audience being like i can make it you probably can't you're hurt and then fucking tosses her his you can see in his eyes when it clicks where he's like i'm gonna do this and the fact that he didn't take ultimate ownership of how he's a piece of shit and then getting murdered was just it was just the cherry on top it was so good i think one of the things i like most about this movie is how smart tess is um, throughout the mm, whole yeah. thing like you can see that she is shown as a like smart well-to-do 30-something uh businesswoman uh who takes like a lot of necessary steps in this really obviously awful uh situation um you know we have this award on the show for the love of god hide that doll which is <laughs> you know don't don't do this thing that you're showing and i i kept thinking that but at the same time, she was locking the door. She was taking photos of his ID. She was taking smart steps to try and, and do all this. She, like the, also the the mirror rig that she uh, oh, sets geez. up in the basement to like shine the light down the hallway is so smart and and just really added a lot of depth to that character that I I really enjoyed. Things that horror movie characters don't typically do. Totally. I I also really liked when they do flashback all the way to the 70s um, to show Frank and the beginning of this House of Horrors that uh, there have been a lot, uh, and we'll get to it later, of... Uh, of aspect ratio aspect ratio switching and like film uh, focal lengths and stuff like that to show different spaces and times. I think it was super effective in this case. I, I think it worked um, as a flashback and to differentiate it. And they also bump up the saturation. 
to show this kind of idyllic 70s town that just has this evil as a as a part of it um would you guys think of of mother as like a horror character uh because you know trying to force someone to drink out of a bottle and watching 1980s uh breastfeeding videos on a loop seems like like a torture in and of itself Justin Long drinking literally from the witch's tit was so I it was like kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it because he's awful. You like you want him to suffer. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. You're like, this guy sucks. Oh, like that's, I thought that. So I thought that mother as a character. So like. I think that I kind of sold it to myself that it was more of a like spiritual demon of like what had come out of that mm-hmm. place. Cause I understand that the cell was, was incest. Yeah. But I also think that under that timeline, like you couldn't have that kind of grotesque disfiguration so quickly. Yeah. And so like, I kind of sold it to myself that it was the spirit of just like, like a life that was never supposed to be born tainted into this world, desperately longing to care for something, mm-hmm. but never knowing or having the ability to do so. Um, I thought the whoever did the puppeteering and like the costuming for that thing, honest to God, deserves like any award that that movie gets. It is just so like the disfiguration, the fact that they chose to keep her like naked and exposed, mm-hmm. but also like somehow impenetrable was just it was wild. I yeah, I can still see her face in my mind. Well, it's because you watched it today. no no it was yesterday uh yeah i mean i i think ultimately a a good horror quote-unquote villain um but that's kind of where i i had issues with it where i don't know if this was intended but i had very split feelings about how that movie ends um where like that that character is is that way not by her own doing that's just you know years of incest and torture i mean that's yeah it's yeah just kind of how she ended up and like to really all she wanted was to have a child of her own to coddle and um in the end it, uh, she just gets shot in the head and it's a little sad and then it cuts to credits yeah Uh, i i think i mean with with frank getting killed the the like orchestrator of all of this evil i i think that was that was a little clunky like there were there were parts toward the end where i understood what it was trying to do but the way they told it just wasn't all that seamless you know Mm. him dying in the bed um and then the like double fake out of mother not being dead and then coming back and then killing Justin Long. It like it it and then the uh the homeless man character uh who just like gets his arm ripped off and beaten to death w- with his well, own. Well she's never arm. been here before. <laughs> yeah. Which, which seems, you know, honestly pretty rude. Yeah. I I <laughs> that that seems like a pretty bad way to go out. Not gonna <laughs> Not, not gonna lie uh it, it it did lose me a little bit toward the end uh just in in the way it had to get through all of the final plot hmm. i thought that so i'll agree with how they kind of fumbled the ball a little bit when it came to 
the, I mean, the orchestrator of the whole thing. And I think that it was interesting seeing Justin Long as a predator interacting with another predator. Yep. Um, and that was clearly the intention of it. But at the same time, like, I kind of wanted that piece of shit to just like die in a bed. Cause I think mother was kind of taking care of him. I think that was the implication behind the bell. Um, I kind of would have loved if mother died the way that she did. And then you just kind of know that this guy's going to rot away slowly and painfully versus like having the agency to take his own life because he's had the agency to do all of these things in the first yep. place. Um, I thought mother's death so I know that you guys were torn about it a little bit, but I actually found solace in it and like a sense of peace. Um, Cause you could tell with the, with the main character um, when she was going through it, she also seemed extremely conflicted because she realized like this thing loved her un in a weirdly unconditional way. Um, and that she wanted to take care of, but like she couldn't move because she was in so much pain. And like she, and like it was the moment that mother knew that she was in pain when she tried picking her up. And she would stop. And that's a sense of this thing understands this sense of other and this sense of like other people's pain in a very weird moment for a character that's killed two people really pretty fucking violently. Um, but that kill, I think it was, I honestly think it was a, a mercy killing. Yeah. Because that's what like, I picked what, up on too. Yeah. Cause it's like, what kind of life, what kind of life or existence would that, um, being or spirit has and i even thought of i even thought of this just now i kind of like the thought of like compare mother to um was it is it no face from spirited away or no name the ghost yeah it's a mm -hmm. it's a product of the condition in the environment that it's surrounded by and that's largely what that spirit is and like the fact that mother could be considered also this like no this no face or no name um spirit where it is an inheritance of like the environment and condition that it's in is what it developed into. It's just like kind of a great thing to, I, I don't know. There's just something, something peaceful about that at the end. It's like when the, when uh, no face or no name is at like grandma's house at the end of spirited away. That's yep. how I kind of felt with the murder of, or, or the mercy killing of, of mother. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just glad Justin Long died. Yeah. It was great. Felt great. His, his, his eyes coming out like egg whites was, brutal to watch but holy shit <laughs> if you enjoy yeah. eyes coming out like egg whites and justin long being an asshole watch drag me to hell <laughs> highly recommend uh yeah i don't think i'll be joining for that pod just being <laughs> honest uh any final thoughts on barbarian before we move on good check it out very unique i really i really Hi like that highly recommend sweet uh, so next we're going to 2021 Censor, uh, directed by Prano Bailey Bond. Uh, whose suggestion was this? Was this yours, Chris? That was mine. Um, I, I don't remember why I watched it initially, um, but I, I saw it on Hulu at the beginning of the year. I think I'd seen it in one of the like early best of the year lists or late best of the year lists of 2021, I guess. And it got some like medium positive reviews and it just kind of sounded like something that was interesting to me um, where the, the kind of the conceit of the movie is that it's a, a woman in the, I think like early, early 1980s um, uh, among the like video nasties movement in Great Britain um, is a 
a sensor and has to watch all these films and figure out what ratings to give it, what to cut out. Um, and to me, it was really interested in seeing what that would do to someone's psyche. And the film really puts it in the context of uh, this person who has had her sister go missing in an event. She doesn't really remember fully due to trauma or whatever um, starts having these like separations from reality due to uh, a certain movie that she saw. And um, don't that, go in the church. Yep. That, uh, that is just like exactly my vibe. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the ending of it. I'm sure. But like truly one of my favorite horror movie endings in a long time. Um, one that kind of just stuck with me, um, immediately after. Mm. I, I, did you see this last year? Or did you see this this year? Cause I think mm. I re- remember you saying it's probably worth a watch. Yeah. A little bit ago. I think I had it at the, uh, we did it. I, I watched it like very beginning of this year. And I think I had it on our end of the year pod or Oscars pod or something. So with this movie and one to come up, I think I really liked the first and third acts of this and kind of fell off in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the video nasties and what being a sensor would do to someone uh, in that time is really cool. The way it's stylized, the way it's shot, the way it has, you know, the kind of workplace dynamics and, and all that, I think works really well as a setup to the movie. And then I think during the middle, before it gets to the climactic scene at the end, it kind of loses steam. It goes on some side quests that don't, (laughs) that don't fully realize the vibe that it had at the beginning. Uh, But overall, I I do think I would love to see more from this director because um, other than a bit too much, uh, uh, shifting of the aspect ratio. Uh, I, I thought this was a, a a pretty good uh horror movie. Nick, what do you think? I I felt a little conflicted, so I'll agree with you, Zach. Where like at points it did teeter off a little bit, and it went on this. I think side quest is probably the best way to describe it, where it didn't necessarily go off the rails, but you could you know you heard the gears grinding a little bit. Um. I definitely bought into it for the sense that like, I mean, this was like, just like how I said that I kind of fell in love with horror movies is that like, this is peak, like moral panic, mm-hmm. um, uh, satanic panic where, where they're just like, Oh, because the, they even mention it where they're like violent movies inspire Satanism. And like the fact they kind of showed their hand in a weird way to excuse itself, which it upset me because it was going, I thought it was doing such a good job playing into itself being like oh do movies create do violent movies create like this kind of sense of horror and this kind of sense of whatever and they use the movie that she reviewed that it was like it inspired a man to because in the movie uh a guy kills his family and eats the the face of his wife uh and in this in this real life murder somebody mirrors it 
and then the reason the reason why the 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 guy says or somebody says that he did it was because he saw this violent movie and it was like just this excuse or this like folk demon of like oh this is what's causing this is now this is now factual this is like something that really happened but later in the movie i think it's i think it's towards the end when she's leaving to try to find her sister she's confronted with the fact that that never he never saw the movie um and i i was almost upset that they did that because at first you think it's like because i immediately hooked on to the fact that um don't go into the church sparked a trauma event for her and was a triggering event for her to like kind of have this breakdown and that was completely separate from what actually watching gore movies because really she didn't really watch gore in that movie it just no. sparked a memory and that's what br- that's what brought her to in- her knees to actually have like a violent uh uh sick reaction to this and throw up but the fact that they kind of excused themselves in that moment of being like it just kind of like showed their hand too much i i did love the ending though and the fact that like you're like is this a dream is this a movie why does she have a remote all of a sudden like it just yeah those were and there were genuine jump scares at the end yeah with static oh, and yeah. everything it it like truly like chilled me to the bone seeing those like two little cuts mm-hmm. um there's there's one when they're in the car uh, spoiler alert this is uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it but there's one where they're in the car where it cuts to the her screaming screaming yeah. up against the window and then there's the second cut where she's like standing next to the parents and like i i think i would have liked this movie better if it either focused on what being a video sensor would do psychologically mm-hmm. or the moral panic i think it yeah. tried to attempt both and did a halfway decent job at both instead of committing to one like it it, instead of having one be prominent with a little bit of the other or vice versa it tried to do 50 50 of both and i don't think explored either one to the depth that i was hoping it would yeah that was kind of that was kind of my prediction coming into this that like one or both of you guys would have an issue with that for some reason it (laughs) Like I, I recognize that fully watching the movie that like uh, what I went into it thinking it was going to be and what it was going to explore was not explored fully. And I found myself not as disappointed by that as I thought I would be just because I, I think someone becoming increasingly divorced from reality is something that's so interesting to me. Super that cool. it just, yeah, it mm. just kind of uh, overshadowed any negative feelings I had toward the that second act mostly. Big, uh, big Tipper Gore energy by a lot of Britain during during the uh, middle section. Uh, Like the I think the one part that I definitely have a bone to pick with this movie is the uh, video director character who like tells her she'd look good getting raped in the her movie. And then she goes to his house and then. Mm he falls onto a figurine killing him through like it it just felt like all right we need a gross out scene in this movie and we got to get this in i liked that scene not for what it was but for the aftermath of that where immediately she's back at home and she's kind of like searching through this this vhs tape trying to see this one scene of what she thinks is her sister and she gets a call from this director who she thinks she just killed and uh that's that's kind of where you kind of figure out like oh this 
this is going off the rails. Like I, you don't know what's real and what's fake. I thought that the, so I'll actually contest that. I thought that the, something that I really love that the director did, um, because I, I think arguably if I had to pick one, I liked the director more than I did the screenwriter. Um, I think both were the same. Yeah. Well, the direct, like, the direction I said from that, her. I, I, yeah, I immediately said that, and I was like, I do not have the IMDb up. I do not know who this <laughs> is. But is. I like it more as a director, I guess. So, um, her. in that murder scene of the producer. Yeah, it was written when, and directed by Prano Bailey Bond. Cool. Shout out, Bond. Um, so, something that I loved about that first murder was you immediately caught on that the director was going to do this, like, the 80s gore um like art where it was like all of the murders that happen are shot just as they were being in portrayed in those censor movies that she was like watching where it's like grotesque and just like exaggerated and there's a lot of just like like light red blood shitting everywhere and the foreshadowing i will say the foreshadowing of the trophy itself in the guy's mouth where it's a guy with an axe and then she becomes this axe murderer like it's a it's a very easy transition and it's something that is not fed to you, but later you kind of figure out, you know, it was in the soup, if you will. Um, so I, I think we should focus on the ending a little bit uh, just cause I think that was one of the strongest parts just thematically for the movie where it's this woman who's, uh, shown at the beginning to be very in control, very good at her job, very unfazed by the things she sees on TV. And at the end is totally divorced from reality is actually killing people on a film set is, you know, becoming the horror of this horror movie. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. as an end space to land works quite well. Uh, Nick, did you feel that way too? Um, Yeah, I thought that, I thought that every I thought that the the character arc for the for the protagonist was just kind of beautiful because you knew like you didn't like there was a part of me that didn't see it coming but wanted it but at the same time you thought she was gonna die like when when she's in the woods alone and she's like just talking to this director you're like oh the director's gonna murder her and then she becomes a serial murderer immediately it's just yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, that, I'll, yeah, that that turn for me where like this creepy ass director who makes all these movies uh, sees what she's done in, in this scene and he starts freaking out and he's like, what have you yeah. done? Oh, my God. Like that's that turn for me works so well. Um, mm. And then then suddenly you, she wants to find her sister so badly that she's willing to do whatever it takes in her brain to make that happen. And yeah then she kind of you get to see like what's happening in her brain formulating this like basically this movie of the i I think she's at the uh, at the video store earlier in the in the movie and she picks up this movie that has this kind of like idyllic family in these really bright colors and then suddenly like the the end of the movie turns into that movie and the two like very harsh cuts to reality <laughs> uh just like that I, I was watching it for the second time uh, a few weeks ago and i was wondering if that was going to hit as hard the second time since i knew it was happening and i was with Catherine, my lovely girlfriend um 
who also enjoyed this film. Um, and I, I was worried that it wasn't going to hit as hard. I was watching that second act and it was kind of dragging and I was thinking, okay, like maybe I'm going to have to lower my rating of this movie. And then that, that ending hits and it just, uh, it, it really got me again. Totally. I, uh, I just, I think for me, I think I could have done a little less with the visual tricks at the end. If they had just toned it down a tiny bit, um, it's, it's very clear. It's jumping between like eighties grain film stock and then wide angle and then tied up and then like black and white. And then like it, it's, it's just so much is happening. I felt yeah. like we needed an editor to just be like, all right, Prano, calm down. <laughs> like, I know, I know you can do all these things and that all these things look cool individually, but like less is more. I've been watching a lot of top chef and that's their whole thing. It's just like, <laughs> if it's not perfect, it doesn't need to make the plate, you know? Yeah. You don't need that much. You don't need that much sauce on top. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's a dressing. <laughs> yeah. You burnt the carrots. Don't put them on. The plate will be fine without it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I will. I will agree on that. The, the, the like dramatic shifts at the end and how it was kind of crazy. I will defend it in the sense that like, they were definitely going for like a sensory overload at the end where you're trying, like they're trying to like pull you into like her mindset because like mm-hmm. when you have a psychotic break or anything like that, it, like I they're going for this angle of like, it's just everything all at once. Um, but I will say something that I did love about this movie in a very quiet way. was the stage lighting that they use. Yes. Um, and how color uh, was the color palette was just like such a strong emphasis. And it was like its own character. Hell yeah. Color palettes. Yeah. Bam. And, uh, honestly, one of the reasons I recommended this movie because it was because I know Zach loves color palettes and I was one of us. He, would, he would find some, <laughs> some interest in there. Um, uh, one thing I do want to mention about the direction of this movie is uh, when I was watching with Kat, one of the things she mentioned was in the early portion of the film, she wasn't a huge fan of how static the shots were. There was, there was nothing handheld. It was all on tripods. Um, and then as the film gets moves on and our, our character uh, Enid gets a little shakier mentally. Then you start getting those handheld cam shots. And then as you get further, it's like really handheld, no steady cam. It's just, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's a really good device. I think, I think that's not beating you over the head. I think that's a little more subtle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can always do that. Uh, any more final thoughts on uh sensor before we move on? No, all right. I'd recommend it. Go see it. Uh, all right. Now we're going to 2016's The Wailing, directed by Na Hong Jin uh, and Nick. That was your pick, correct? Yes, it was. Um, so to give a synopsis of a very dense movie. It, there's so many uh, things happen in this movie. So many so fucking many. things happened in this movie. So in, in uh, Korea, they call it Gokseong. Um I... I found it because I did an IMDb because I wasn't sure what to recommend for this podcast. And I was like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the Google and ask the internet like best, best uh, horror movies. And this was like fourth according to IMDb or something crazy like that. It's it's been on my list for a long time because it always pops up on those lists. Yeah. And um, uh, Melissa, my girlfriend uh, or fiance recommended it to me uh, being like, we should do this, blah, blah, blah. And I think I want, and so it is 
I would ex- I would argue that it is two movies in one and does not hold back when it comes to the time length to say that it is two movies in one. It's a um, TV show. I feel like it's, it's yeah, like, it could. It's an HBO series, just yeah. like not broken up. Yeah. Um, my favorite part about it, though, is that I I definitely had an advantage watching it because um, I had somebody who's from Korea explaining to me like the subtle like Korean cultural hints. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to it, it was it was a lot. The fact that it started out as like a uh, as like a cop thriller and like. Like well, possibly, we, like a, we all watched Memories of Murder, right? Yeah, because we did we did yes. the yeah. Bong Joon Ho pod. That the whole first act reminded me of Memories totally. of Murder. I was like, oh, God, the- give give me just every dumb Korean cop movie. <laughs> like I'm all in on that. I, I do. I have oh a, God, yes. I have very limited experience with Korean cinema, but uh, from what I know of of their treatment of police officers, they think they're all really fucking stupid. I thought you were going to say with my limited interaction with Korean police officers, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd hope so. (laughs) God. Yeah. The, the bumbling cop and the fact that like this dad has this like really great relationship with the kid. And it just, it goes from a, a, a cop movie to a movie about like, uh, uh, hinting at like the Japanese invasion in the 1920s because mm-hmm. uh, the the main villain's Japanese and that's a really big deal. Um, and then he's this main villain and and then it goes to like superhuman syphilis patients just going nuts. And then you're like, oh, it's because of rape. And then it just evolves into like, this was all about spirits fighting each other. And you're like, where? The fuck did that did come I- from? <laughs> What you're like, when did I fall asleep and it went to the next episode or the next series? Like, what the fuck? And it was just, it was great. Um, and having somebody because it did have some great jump scares in, in it, I will say, that were like weirdly placed, and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I don't usually jump at jump scares that often, but having somebody who is uh, a self described chicken next to me just going, ha, was just like, it made the whole movie for me. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with this movie. There, there, are, Honestly, yeah. there, there are so many ideas within it. You know, it's the police procedural. It's the exorcism. It's the just spirits and what that means to the culture. It's, it, it's all these wrapped up. And I feel like instead of blending them, it jumps to each one. And mm. there were parts where I was like, oh, I love this. And then there were parts where like, is this the same movie? Like you just said, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it was a little confusing. Um, I, one thing I've noticed with all these uh, like Korean cop movies is that there's always humor within them, no matter what. Like it, there's it's always... actually a mark of the director. Yeah. The, the oh, guy really? getting, the guy getting struck by lightning was like weirdly funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I hope you guys get struck by lightning. And then he walks away and he gets, gets struck, struck by, by lightning like... twice. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the same dude that like tries to lift up the deer and then just falls down the hill? Yeah. And, and... yeah. It's like, what is, is this like the fucking Marx brothers? Like what? what... Keystone <laughs> cops. Like what's going on here? Um, like also there are just like very long exorcism scenes in this with uh knives. I, I gotta say, Korean exorcisms way cooler than American. Exorcisms. I, I was I was gonna say yeah. that I I think I liked the exorcism scenes in this movie more than I liked the Exorcist. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's 
Yeah, one reads from a stupid book. The other like dances with fire and throws knives at children. Like that's way cooler. They got a full band in a buffet. Yeah. Uh, Also, this this is gonna this is gonna come up later, but I do want to mention it in our actual conversation. But uh, Huang Jung Min is like a very very famous Korean actor, and I like when he came in. He's the shaman that comes in in the at the very middle of the movie. And I saw him like from the second I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy's famous. And I looked him up and it like it basically is the equivalent of like Leonardo DiCaprio showing up in the middle of a movie and being oh, a really? shaman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's like I think he was like number seven on a list. I looked up of like most famous Korean actors of all time. Oh, so so should it, it be the uh, Bob Odenkirk slash Huang Jung Min award? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So the. To, so there's like a bunch of things that I learned about Korean culture watching this too that was fascinating. So the shaman thing, that is not a old practice. That's not like a foregone practice. Um, people actually still use shamans and they go to them for readings. And like a lot of that stuff is pretty accurate. And I did love the fact that they kind of, I so something that is a big thing in Korea is people will debate about the symbolism or the actual motive of characters the entire movie. Like the shaman um, coming in, I took as a false prophet. Um, And because like there's, I don't know if you guys remember it, but like the scene where the, they break open the, um, how is it? Was it soy sauce? Yep. The pot, yeah, the pot pot of soy soy sauce. sauce. Which is like, that was, that's common practice in like really like, like older villages or like more remote villages. Um, And there's a crow, there's like a crow or raven in it. It's dead. Mm -hmm. And he's like, there are bad demons here. There's a part of me that like, like, like that. I was like, did he put that in there? Is he just, is he just like robbing this town? Cause he was charging a ton of money to that town. Oh, like, I, yeah. Like, I didn't even catch anything like that, that he would be the one to like plant the demons in the, yeah. or like plant the seed of, of that. Um, well, cause uh, yeah. Cause like one of the, one of the things that they hit is that, uh, uh, it it he charged them like ten thousand dollars to do that, which is like it's a hundred thousand won, which is about a quarter of what a lot of people in Korea make. Gotcha. I I I don't know the day rate for exorcists, so <laughs> I mean, honestly, seems reasonable to me if you're trying to get yeah. a demon out of your child. Yeah, I mean, that guy was sweating with those knives, man. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and then the there was so like. Uh, and then like so to explain the spirit at the end so there's a spirit that just appears and i just sat there befuddled being like is it a ghost is it just like a ghoul like what's going on with this um korean culture they just like everything has a spirit to it like every space the town has a spirit and that spirit at the end was actually the spirit of the town but he wasn't sure if it was a corrupt spirit or if it was a good spirit because that's the whole idea of the movie's just like constantly keeping you in this like i don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on mode and, yeah, um, I will that, say, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I will say though, I did spend the first half of this movie thinking that my my fiance recommended a movie that wasn't a horror movie, and I, I just sat here being like, "The pod is going to be so mad." <laughs> like, well, hold, hold on, isn't there like a, a serial rape murder in like the first four minutes of this movie? Yeah, but I wouldn't call Memories of Murder a horror movie. True. Uh, but when did the, the, the red eyes, uh, that's pretty early. That's pretty early. early. Yeah. Um, I, I think just to, just to pull back a little bit, I, 
I like the idea of <clears throat> uh, like the whole town trying to figure out what's going on, you know, like everyone coming together, trying to figure it out that, that, that part of almost all horror movies is going to work for me. So mm. that's something I really liked. I I just was like, by the end, very confused why the stranger shows his form to that one guy. Like it, it, it just, I didn't understand the core reasons at the end. Like I got what yeah. happened. I just don't know how we got there. The, the one yeah. thing that was a little weak for me. So I, I, I will say I, I did love the twist at the end that, she was the one trying to help and that he was actually the demon all along and the shaman was helping him, him out. Um, uh, the, the one thing that didn't work for me is when he asked the spirit of the town or whatever she is, uh, why, um, she said, because you sinned and it wasn't because he was like fucking around on his wife or anything. It was because he accused another. Is that, Nick and I, I don't want you to speak out of turn, but like, is that a, a prominent thing in Korean culture of of that being a especially um, like like higher stakes sin than it is in us little savage Americans? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking for another, yeah. um, uh, accusing somebody of something they didn't do. Yeah, so I won't speak as an ambassador to Korean culture that much because I'm sure that. Uh, yeah, let's let's let's, let's yeah, let's away from that. I will, <laughs> I will chime in and say that the accusation of like it's it's this idea of like false idols or like like they were accusing the wrong thing and it's, it might be like an insult to honor or something. I honest to God, I just kind of sat there befuddled, and I think that's part of the lore is that like is that a bigger sin um, and that kind of thing and. Yeah, the demon revealing itself to the priest at the end, the tortured priest at the end, that priest was like fucking Job. Um, just not, didn't get a break that entire movie. Um, the fact that, uh, the fa- I think the reason why he revealed himself, because like to me, I took it as like, this is the devil um, and he's challenging the spirits of these towns over and over again, because I believe it was the Japanese that brought Christianity to Korea. Um, and so that might play into like a bigger religious, uh, contrast, uh, but I might be wrong and I might get a, a lovely phone call from, from Yunjay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we should kind of wrap this up cause I think we're a little limited on time, but, um, I, I, the one thing I have to say is, uh, people need to fucking talk to each other in this goddamn town. A lot of <laughs> A, a lot of things could be solved by like, hey, what are you doing here? And instead of them just cryptically standing and looking, they could have been like, oh, I'm here to help prevent the demon from attacking your town. <laughs> and this, this movie is fucking 45 minutes instead of two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did like it. I, I think that the overall vibe, the direction the acting all were very good and i'm i'm happy you suggested this to uh uh <laughs> suggested this to uh to me isabel so, would like you guys to acknowledge this car that she's showing you it's a cool car it's what kind of car is it car. <laughs> <laughs> you're just spinning it around in front of the camera sick trick bro do a kickflip 
<laughs> All right, should we move on to the fog? We should. Uh, was this kind of our, our group pick? Yeah, so I, I think I suggested it because um, I, I watched, watched it. The, so I watched Nick, the thing, and you were just like, watch more Carpenter? Well, no, so I watched, <laughs> it, I watched it last year. Nick and I were originally going to do that as our movie for for the last year pod right? we were, we were going around and doing like one movie with each person and Nick's movie was going to be the fog. And I think we, uh, Nick ended up, I don't know, not being able to do it or whatever. I don't know. Um, and I enjoyed watching it and I wanted to talk about it on the pod. Um, it, uh, it's really not that complicated of a movie. Uh, no. I, love, I love John <laughs> no, Carpenter. No, 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 it is uh, not. Th- oh this movie, God. this movie is entirely vibes. Um, this movie I think is ideally watched with like a group of people who are like paying 75% attention and kind of lock in on the moments of, of like actual horror. Um, it's also a very funny movie. It's, it's definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. It's basically like this super horny fake town, fictional town in the Bay area, I guess, or like North of the Bay area. Um, kind of like a fisherman's town or something like every the, the word wharf uh <laughs> springs to mind when i think you, of what this town looks like you a big wharf guy yeah i love i love the wharf um wharf it's basically this uh, like the the world's horniest town that is all listening <laughs> to to the radio and has the most sultry dj um and this town gets attacked by vengeful ghost pirates um <laughs> and i who move in a f- fog that is lit up vaguely like a uh, hot tub. Um, it's <laughs> it just like hits every vibe for me. Uh, I know you guys didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but th- this is like exactly my style. So I watched this with Nate. And if you like follow our texts for the first 20 minutes of the movie, we're like, fuck yeah, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> this, this is going to be so cool. <laughs> And then at like 35 minutes, we're like, man, it, it kind of cooled off a little bit. And then like an hour in, we're like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> and then the final 10 minutes, we're like, all right, cool. We get some more more stabbing. <laughs> that That's sweet. Um, I I loved the first 20 minutes. The setup, the vibe, you're, you're 100% right. The, you know, weird basement fog machine of a shitty college party vibe uh, kind of... <laughs> showed up to it but holy shit the like middle hour is is pretty dull yeah uh i watched this movie on my flight back from korea and i was watching it and the immediate vibe i had was like drive-in or i got real fucked up with a couple friends and i want to talk about some cool fog pirates um yeah, the first 20 minutes, you see, like, I will, in the defense of this movie, the the way that the pirates fought, I thought was the most accurate way that go, ghost, fog, zombie pirates would fight. And I was like, that's I'll give you quality that. combat. Yeah. Just, like, appearing behind them, just, like, stabbed them in the eyes and being like, well, you're dead. And that, But, like, I will agree that there was probably an hour in which I was like, what? Where is this going? And then all of a sudden behind that like weird journal conveniently 
that the priest didn't see the giant gold smelted cross. Don't like, pay attention to the plot. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Waving with attention. both arms. Do not. Yeah. I'm gonna look at the little man behind the curtain. I'm, I'm going to create a fucking supercut of you saying, "Don't pay attention to the plot of this," and then fucking our Suspiria conversation from three years ago, and me doing the exact same thing. Well, so my 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 problems with Suspiria were not necessarily. The I, I guess like we, we don't need to go back into yeah, this. Yeah. That's that's fine. <laughs> I uh I I do think it was very funny that like you know 1980 and and 2020 are now 42 years apart, so it's been quite a while, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about. But uh, fucking getting picked up as a hitchhiker and then being like, oh, I'd fuck that guy, <laughs> just just. <laughs> <laughs> just seemed like a real like nonchalant start to this film. He's just driving around in his pickup truck drinking a beer. It's fine. <laughs> Seems oh, like a chill fun. guy. Yeah. Right. He knows how to party. And then he's being like, you're not the weird one, right? <laughs> um, but you're right. This is pretty great uh, Halloween vibes. Just like slow walking zombie pirate fogman is a is a pretty gate uh pretty great uh idea for a horror villain it, it also has the uh the gm or the assistant gm or whatever from uh major league as this uh <laughs> yeah that's weather, where he's from My the God. weather guy uh just him him like seriously hitting on the dj uh and also like not listening to her when she's like don't open the door and him just being like ah it's just a couple of pranksters <laughs> very funny stuff the, the oh whole idea of a town rapturously listening to a late night radio dj i i kind of miss those days i'll be honest you know well, american we, we, graffiti is such a good movie because it revolves around this oh i love radio american broadcast. graffiti it's it, yeah. that was one of my favorite movies you've ever suggested for this pod um and you know fuck the spotify algorithm we need what's her name <laughs> just like dj stevie or something it's, it's just like her whole name it's like stevie gale or something yeah, like yeah. That. uh yeah God. uh dj stevie wayne Stevie um, Wayne. Yeah. The, Stevie uh, Wayne. That's a sexy name. The the like leaking driftwood that catches fire is like a little weird. I love you know? that. <laughs> <laughs> she she calls her son to tell him, like, don't pick up anything from down there. <laughs> Why was there a fucking kid in this goddamn movie? <laughs> that, that uh, because the old lady needs to get killed. I think that's that's the main reason. Yeah. Well, we also yeah. had to find that weird doubloon just hanging out. Yep. The, the plot, don't wood. pay attention to the plot. <laughs> pay the attention plot. to the cool-ass <laughs> fog zombie. The, the plot is Horty Town gets attacked by vengeful ghost pirates. That's all you need to know. Horny Town, ghost pirates, giant golden cross. That's all you need to yeah, make a movie. I think I was too sober for this movie. I gotta be honest. Oh, 100%. I I, just, I definitely need to watch it with people like this mm-hmm. would have been a great, you know, like, like you were saying earlier, Chris, like basement, bunch of friends, 75 percent attention. If if you if you got like a, a Halloween party going on, you could you could do a double feature of Suspiria and the fog. And I think that would do very well. Totally. I, I think that would actually be a pretty great double feature. 
just just get gel lights and a fog machine and, I, and we're I have a picture I have a picture of my TV screen and the lamp next to it while I was watching this and we we have a, a light bulb that you can change the color of it and I put like the fancy bit the weird red uh, <laughs> red light that was uh, in the background in one of those kills God flex on me more that you got high and went to a Lowe's like come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man on that note do we want to uh, get into our our categories at the end let's do it categories uh so we have our bob odenkirk award which is the actor that shows up far too late in a movie um i'll start it's it's just a long i had no idea yeah. he was in it it's it's like the definition of this <laughs> yeah uh though uh chris you probably have um yeah i had justin long as my number one but my backup was uh huang jung min which yeah. Yeah, I, the second I saw him, I was like, "That guy's famous." Yeah, <laughs> i i will uh, i will I will uh, concede and say also Justin Long. The fact that he just showed up and I was like, "I thought there were only two people in this movie." Yep, <laughs> it it's kind of the definition of the award. <laughs> uh, the Lakeith Stanfield Award uh, for the actor that keeps showing up in movies that we watch on this pod or watch in general. Chris, who do you have? Uh, I have Lee Jung-un. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, She plays wife of lightning guy. Hell Um, yeah. She's (laughs) also in Paris. Hell yeah. Okja and mother. Um, Yeah. Uh, I recognized her immediately and I was like, that is going to be my Lakeith. Nick, who'd you have? Uh, Seeing as I don't participate in this podcast often, I'm going to go with Justin Long just out of probability and chance. Yeah, makes I don't sense. Know, yeah, I don't know how many movies we've done with Justin Long, but um, I I, as backups, I had uh, Michael Smiley, the guy who plays that weird director who gets his head. Yeah. Uh, should Should I go first in. before you do this? Or uh... oh, sorry, I didn't realize you. Didn't, uh... <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Adrienne Barbeau. She was also in Argo, The Thing, and Escape from New York. And we okay. will be talking about Argo in our Lottie's 2012. Little teaser um, there. Yeah, backup was Michael Smiley, who's also in Rogue One, The Lobster, and Shaun of the Dead, which we've all done on this podcast. And I guess the other Lakeith I had was Aspect Ratio Shifts. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> the, the two movies in this round and also Waves. Are we talking Blonde, too? Is that uh, coming I up? Not, I have not seen Blonde, and I don't think I will. Uh, there are about 10,000 Aspect Ratio Shifts in that movie. Uh, uh, it's that and Lucy in the Sky, I think, are the two most aspect ratio shifting movies I've seen in a very long time. Uh, the Dom Cobb slash Harge Aired slash James Gum Award. Uh, Nick, who'd you have for the weirdest name of a character? Weirdest name of a character? Uh, uh, come back to me. There weren't come a back. lot of good ones this round. No, yeah. I had Mrs. Corbett's because that just sounds like an 80s ass name for an old lady, which I really liked. You also uh, already said lightning guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I had uh, Dick Baxter. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, there are a couple others. If Nick doesn't grab them, I'll mention. I mean, for, for a horror movie round, I'm kind of kind of disappointed. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of just the I mean, it's a weird it's not a weird name, but I just find it fascinating when you like pull up the IMDb and the number one cast cat like mentioned person is uh japanese man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the stranger yeah yeah 
that's yeah. that's a that's a good one. Uh, I also had Beast Man from Sensor, uh, uh, as well as uh, Nick Castle, which reminded me of the Gothic Castle joke from uh, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like a backup tight end on the Jaguars. <laughs> uh the Rebecca Pigeon Award for uh, weirdest accent. I'm going to go with Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, I had him too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's almost there. <laughs> it's almost there. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if they're intending to have him be like slightly foreign because it fits his character as someone coming into that, you know, Detroit and that neighborhood. But it just felt strange. You know, with Tess, who had such a great accent, like just normal American accent. I think she's a British actress. Uh, it just felt strange. Uh, so that's a clean sweep for Bill. Um, the Frank Booth Very Chill Guy Award. Uh, there are about 10,000 options uh, for this award, uh, which is just 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 the very chill guy. Uh, Chris, you want to start us off? Yeah, I had uh, I had Doug Smart from Censor, uh, the creepy director from the beginning of the movie. Uh, feel like he uh, he, he could have gotten me tooed in the in the right uh, era. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the guy that did get me tooed, which was Justin Long in Barbarian. I feel like it's too easy picking like fog zombie sailors. <laughs> that that seems too obvious. They are chill uh, guys. They're very cold. Yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, do you have a, a pick for this? Uh, if Chill Guys is not placed in a sense of irony, I would have to go with Andre from Barbarian, the black guy. <laughs> yeah, they, who, who just runs up and screams, like, get out of this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah he did, he did have he, moments of not chillness that would <laughs> apply. He, he did have not chillness, but when he was chill, he was just sitting around a fire with somebody who's bleeding out from a gunshot telling these kids like just hang out here till morning she never comes here and then just goes back to poking a fire before he dies like it's <laughs> it's it's a lot um <laughs> it's a lot the uh the dutch boy slash geostorm award for the plot device that you were most confused by um Mine was immediately fucking the man who picked you up as a hitchhiker. (laughs) I I feel like that was kind of just brushed off a little faster than probably should have, uh, should have happened. Uh, Chris. Um, I had uh, double booking an Airbnb in a a long uninhabited town. (laughs) (laughs) Like two people wanted this Airbnb. (laughs) In yep. a town where for miles there is no civilization. Yeah, literally decrepit and then a nice fixer upper. <laughs> Nick, the neighborhood's on the bounce back. Um, I actually I'm going with uh I don't know if you guys remember this. It's in the middle of uh the whaling when they're like trying to pin down this demon and to show that the like mega syphilis demon man is super strong, he picks up a shovel. The fight kind of stops around him yep, and he yep. integrates it. Breaks the shovel. I, I was like, what are what? And he, it's just like, and then everyone's like, oh shit, he could break a shovel. I was like, you just hit him in the head with that thing and he can bounce back. That's not the scary part. Like that's yeah. No, that's yeah. Breaking wood rather than surviving shovel to head. Yes. Yeah. Seems a little uh 
seems a little different. Uh, and then we have the For the Love of God, Hide That Doll award, which is uh, things you found yourself uh, yelling at the screen. So, Nick, what we do is we just kind of go around saying, For the Love of God, and then you just say uh, what you're thinking about. So, I'll start, go to Chris, and then we'll go to you. Uh, so, I had, For the Love of God, do some police work, which is what <laughs> I found myself yelling during almost all of the wailing because they're all fucking in that. <laughs> Uh, for the love of God, stop falling over backwards when you're being chased by a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was almost all of the fog. <laughs> yep, that was the, the fog and the wailing. Oh yeah, the fog and the wailing. <laughs> uh, for the love of God, Justin Long's not worth it. Just drive away. Yep, yep, that's a that's a very good one. Uh, I think that is the thing I definitely yelled at my screen during yeah. Barbarian the most. Uh, for the love of God, don't have sex in a car when your child is like three feet away from you. <laughs> I had that one too. <laughs> uh, for the love of God, don't go in the creepy underground tunnel. Seems pretty obvious to me. <laughs> uh, for the love of God, who needs that big of a gold cross? <laughs> yeah. 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 Tell that to the fucking Roman Catholic Church. Um <laughs> Uh, for the love of God, and I'm kind of cribbing Nate's review of Barbarian. Don't go into any room with Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> uh, for the love of God, stop going up. It's a horror movie. Everyone goes yep. up, yep. up the up the lighthouse, up the tower. Stop doing it. Well, they went down in Barbarian. Is that better? They went up in <laughs> Barbarian too when they're getting chased at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The water, water tower. tower. Yeah. Uh, for the love of God, take a vacation, get a good therapist, and just like get a new job, dude. <laughs> Is that from Censor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, for the love of God, just drink from the milk bottle. It'll be so much worse <laughs> if you don't drink from the milk bottle. Oh, man. I don't have anything better than that, but I, uh, I'll, I don't I'll just. Think... Yeah, we'll end on that one. I don't yeah. think we can. <laughs> That's a really good one, man. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, all right. On it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do our F. Gary Gray and if it needs it, law abiding citizen. So it's just fuck, marry, kill with the movies. Um, Nick, do you want to go first? Okay. I will say I would fuck barbarian, uh, marry the whaling, and I'd probably kill the fog. Chris? Uh, I, I'm going the same. I, um, oh, not the same. Sorry. I'm swapping. I'm at F barbarian, Gary, the fog, and then gray, the wailing. This, this uh, was a, this was a tough one for me. Yeah. I am effing the wailing, Garying barbarian and graying the fog. This is such a bad thing. Why do we do this every time? It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> we have four movies we're not even no one talked about censor effing <laughs> barbarian garying it doesn't make sense why do we do this there's three it, of us there's four movies yeah oh, the podcast would be 30 minutes shorter <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do we fucking do this anyway on on that mental breakdown um any final notes on horror from either of you two uh, for me, spooky season lasts until Thanksgiving, so uh, keep queuing up those horror movies. Uh, there's no, there's no shame in uh, reading the synopsis of a horror movie on a Wikipedia page. You're speaking directly to Nate here. Uh, 
So that is, that is, uh, you know, Nate is here in spirit. Uh, <laughs> for me, I, I think the biggest thing is don't watch when a stranger calls, uh, in middle school at your friend's house, <laughs> uh, because that'll just be an awful experience. That'll make you hate horror movies for the next, at least 12 years to all of our <laughs> middle school listeners. Oh God. I hope we don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you, Nick, for, for joining us yet again. Uh, hope you'll come back soon and we will, uh, for our next episode, we will be doing the Lotties for 2012 with special guest and newly married Kapil. He's coming back. He's a fucking glutton. So, uh, once again, I'm Zach Phyllis here with ballot. Uh, and once again, thank you, Nick. Chris, you don't get thanked at all. Okay. Bye. Bye.